Get of the Gate. This is episode 74. We're talking Stargate SG1 and how amazing that bloody show is. We are Get in the Gate. My name is Mitch. Joining me the full Get in the Gate team, we have Maddie, Hello. Brendan, Hello. and Reese. Yeah, g'day, guys. If you're new to the show, we're introducing Reese to the show for the very first time. Brendan's his brother. He's been watching it. Reese is like, yeah. what the bloody hell am I missing out on? Eats. And stop with the in jokes. I don't get any of it. And now he's here. He gets it. He mm. loves it. And we're going through one episode per he's week. Making in jokes. I know. Oh, making yeah. better in jokes. Contributing. Yeah. 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 Some would say funnier jokes than Brendan's. So. Absolutely. Well, Every, most, everyone most of would the say listeners that. say that. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you, you um, have got some serious love recently on like our mailbag. Yeah. Oh, oh mate, I love yeah. Reese. Oh, Reese is the best. Oh, the oh, show wouldn't be the same without the Reese. Everyone loves I'm Reese. I'm like Reese. Stop creating other emails. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Russian Russian bots catfishing. Get into gate. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a regular occurrence, guys. It's not a... <laughs> Once you get to know me, it's pretty much. Uh... <laughs> Once I tell people all the time how good I am. It is my funny life, though because the curse. people that know me and Reese equally generally like me more. So oh, it's yeah. just more of a time thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So. No, absolutely. he doesn't agree. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> mean, mate, mate, give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Do, do I have yeah. to? Can I just make a snap decision now? No, nah, do it. Go for it. <laughs> See like, what happens. Like if, if, I've already got my kind of group sorted. Like if, yeah. <laughs> Your kind of group is you and a bottle of bourbon. Like that is if, it. If, yeah. if oh, Thanos yeah. like, walked into Not the room all. and said, I'm going to snap my fingers, one of these two got to go. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, Brendan. It's been nice. Yeah, well, it hasn't I'll been I'll vote nice, for Brendan as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mitch probably vote for me because he, he loves Brendan more. It's, yeah. Oh, it's a deadlock. You better do a fucking spreadsheet, mate. Let's, te- <laughs> let's text Lincoln. Let's test, text Lincoln. Oh, oh, and and make, sure, make sure you change the rules on the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm bloody... I'm loving... Watching every every episode being the first time I watch it, and I think I'm appreciating it more because you guys are jealous of the fact that I'm watching it at the first time. A little bit jealous of you. The, a little bit. The Not today, people like Satan. You more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brennan's jealous of me of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Although right. you did have your pants off, so not not jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> He's jealous that Reese is the better looking brother. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yep. Totes. That's always been a thing. But yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm not jealous of you today, mate, because the first ones is a fucking brilliant episode and I think one of my all-time favourites. Shit. Mm. I love this episode. Let's see what it's about. Go back to the old synopsis on the DVD. That's right, children. Physical media. During an archaeological <laughs> survey of fossils on a Gould planet, Daniel Jackson is abducted by a fearsome humanoid creature prompting SG-1 to embark on a mission to free him from his alien captor. It's okay, guys. We've met Unas before. You can say it. But Daniel soon learns that the creature's intentions are not at all what he thought. The, the DVDs don't want to spoil it like the, uh, like the promos do. Yeah, but the DVD has a picture of the Unas <laughs> next to the synopsis. <laughs> I wouldn't think that he's an, an alien captor. He's totally an he's, alien. He's on a different planet. Well, he's indigenous, isn't he? Yeah, yeah we're aliens. Yeah, we're aliens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but alien to the, our point of view. Yeah. As well, Carter would say, it's all relative, guys. Mm. So, Reese, Maddie just said it's one of his favouritest episodes ever of Stargate SG1. The first ones. Ironically, the first time. not that camp. <laughs> camp, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, this was, this was pretty cool. Just from start to finish, really. So good. The the, the backstory, having the backstory of the, the Unas was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the Gawold origin planet. Yeah, so this is like their their home the planet. Start of, yeah, and that bumbling idiot. What is his name? 
Rothman. I am so happy he's dead. <laughs> so happy. Like, I thought I was happy when Hathor died. Like, <laughs> this guy, oh, he was so annoying. Well, look, I hate to, I hate to say it, but... Uh, the, the Nobody new... ever really does? No, the new Star Trek series... <laughs> the... The new Star Trek. Oh, oh, sorry, shit. buddy. Not again. <laughs> it was the NRD thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Triggered him. Um, <laughs> they've announced the new Stargate series. It's going to be a prequel, and it's just Hathor and Rothman. That's it. Oh, it's, good. Yeah. Another one that no one will watch. <laughs> Still better than it's gonna be, Catherine Langford. It's going to be It's going to be 14 eight-minute episodes. <laughs> uh, purely Including through uh, the map Kick. Checks out. You've, got to, you've got to download the app Kick. Right. Uh, and they'll just they'll just DM you the episodes, um, one minute yeah. at a time. It's six one-off payments of a dollar seventy-eight. Oh, wow, um, six one-off payments. Yeah, oh no, and <laughs> just nine easy payments of ninety-nine, ninety-nine, ninety-nine. 99. 99. 99. <laughs> slow pitch, Mitch, with the oh, tank put- top. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. wow. I got jumped on today. I put a single on. I'm like, very cold. Yeah. I'm going to put a jumper on straight away. And I'm like, I haven't got a shirt. I'm like, there's shirts at work if I want one. I'm yeah. going to get dressed yeah, up baby. this to go to the gig. Yes. <laughs> Show me love. Here I was thinking. I'm not even filming this. This is, this is stupid. Here I was thinking Reese was like the most tradie today. But wow, you stepped it up a notch. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I put, yes, I put, yes. put back no, on my, no. my rugby league hoodie <laughs> to, to de-tradie me. <laughs> Um, something that you guys have been talking about, um, well, f- since forever, P90s. Yes, yeah, P90s are finally here. Two teams and P90s. And highly recommended by Jack O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> What's the big deal with the P90s? Um, well, they're just cool. They haven't, they haven't really shown them off a lot. But yeah, basically they've got armor-piercing rounds. They're a top... I actually, um, uh, last night when I was watching the episode, I texted our, uh, our official military advisor, Craig... I'd give you his rank, but I don't know what it is. Um, you just did it. I thought you were going to. You, you could have just grabbed the um, the audio from Imhotep. Yeah, that seemed like too much effort. Um, <laughs> so I asked him about uh, if he had any sort of info, if he's ever used a P90 and and sort of what they're about and how they compare. Like, because obviously in, in the two thousands they were kind of be all and end all, mm. uh, and how they compare to now. And he said he's pretty sure the the um, Secret Service used them for a while as a personal defense weapon because they're so sort of tight compact. and compact. Right. It's a high rate of fire. The cartridge in it uses armor-piercing rounds. It has up to 50 rounds that are at the top-loading magazine. He said most other submachine guns only have about 30 rounds per magazine. He said when he was deployed overseas, he actually did manage. He, he did get to fire one, and he said because he's such a Stargate fan, he was like, <laughs> a kid, "He's the kid in the candy store." <laughs> and he said they're a good swap out for the um, the MP5s that they were using because these ones have more firepower and more range. Right. Yeah, and they're really yeah. they just look cool too, and they're compact. Yeah, you can't. O'Neill just kind of uses it as an armrest a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. It's it's like. <laughs> the the bigger guns they had were quite sort of cumbersome, and these are really yeah. and given that these are a frontline team, so they're like a diplomatic team as well as yeah. like a frontline sort of mm. you know um, action team. These are a bit more; they're not as imposing, I feel like. Yeah. And the yeah. way they kind of just clip to the um, jacket, and it's they can like just a lanyard. Hang. Yeah, they can just <laughs> hang there. Yeah, yeah. And then they're so tight and complicated, bang. Yeah. But yeah, over the next couple of seasons, you'll get to see more and more of them, and I think that's why you'll you start finding them so impressive when you start seeing like the laser guides on them and. And there is an episode where they basically just really feature the P90. And yeah, nice. they're really unique. Like, they're still... Apparently, um, they're showing up in uh, Westworld. Uh, they oh, use cool. them in Westworld. They're, like, oh, painted cool. red or something like that. But I haven't got that far oh, into Westworld right. yet. But they do basically become just this, like, 
a signature gun for Stargate. Like it's just uh, they've just become completely ubiquitous. Yeah, with Stargate. Although, and... however, um, Craig did say he wouldn't take personally. He said he wouldn't take one off World. He'd be more likely to take an M4. Yeah, me too. Mm. Spaz twelve. I'm a Spaz twelve man. Oh, <laughs> Whatever's got the coolest name, that's what I'm all about. I said no. I'd be taking. I'd be taking a. Uh, I'd be taking a Zat. That's you know. Yeah, double Zat. Oh, standard. Yeah. yeah. Staff weapon for me, yeah. obviously. Well, yeah. speaking of now, jumping uh, further towards the end of this episode. Oh. Um, the, the backwards over the shoulder I shot. I knew you'd love oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly wrecked my pants no. over that. <laughs> but then later on, when the, when it's the whole, oh, who's the Gua world, who's the Gua world, and it's finally mm. revealed that it's like the first guy. Yeah, as if that wasn't obvious. Yeah. And he <laughs> cops like two staff blasts in the back. Yeah. Teal has a Zat strapped to his arm. Like, that's still an SG <laughs> personnel member right there. <laughs> he could have Zatted him once yeah. and they could have... Take him to the Tok'ra. Take Tok- him to the, no, take no. him to the Tok'ra. Teal does not take pretense. prisoners, mate. <laughs> he does not take prisoners. The, in foothold, foot, killed Charade, yeah. foothold, double Zatted a dude. Yeah. He went berserk on the <laughs> yeah. Tok'ra base. He does not take prisoners. Right, the no. other week with Divide and Conquer and O'Neill's being tested to be a... was a Zay- Zaytar. Zaytar. Yeah. And he's just like, Pulls it, there's like, I'm just going to cock this just yeah. in case you go full scale. O'Neill, yes. I will take you down. Double tapping this. I have a life debt to you. I'll still kill you. I don't give <laughs> life debt. <laughs> so true. Well, you uh, you said you nearly exploded in your pants when you saw uh, mm. Tilk with his reverse shot. I nearly exploded in my pants when I saw Daniel in his do rag. The do rag was back. <laughs> I was like, yeah, buddy. I love that scene with him and Rothman at the start to the whole archaeological dig. Yeah, that's great. Spe- like, Shanks is in his element, just absolutely just going for it with his dictation machine. <laughs> he's got his paint. What has he got? He's got his paintbrush, his do-rag, his dictation recorder, and looking for traces of Nakoda. I'm like, yeah. that's just a fucking um, quad factor <laughs> or whatever it is. Peter, Peter DeLuise, who's the writer and director of this episode, which I think is the first time we've had the, the double threat of yeah. like someone directing an episode they wrote. And Cooper's like, I can do that. Please don't. Uh, please don't. <laughs> Can you? We, we know you want to. And then he does, and we get Ark of Truth. Um, yeah. Brennan, that's one. He said at the. I'm fine with it. At the start of the episode, when they when they're testing for Nakoda, any um, and they shake it and it gets a little blue liquid. Yeah. He goes, he just stole that from like the cocaine test because he's like, well, that, I'll just get him to do that. Yeah. I like that it how he sense. says. You know, like the cocaine test. How yeah. you might have seen that. I'm uh, like, subject. No. Obviously. <laughs> No. Peter knows that party, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Subject queen, primordial gould, as evidenced by the enlarged pectoral musculature and dorsal structure. This gould ancestor appears to have been a... Cleopatra. Well, I found her. I get to name her. No. Cleo. Cleo, as she has been so colorfully named by Robert Rothman, appears to have been a predator, not parasitical. Confirming my theory that the gould evolved for millions of years in the prehistoric oceans of this planet before ever taking on hosts. Let's get a sedimentary timeline before we jump to conclusions here, please. Uh, testing for an aquarium. Who are you talking to, Bob? Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. Nothing, not even trace amounts. We didn't find any aquarium in Brutus or Julius either. That uh, must become part of the ghoul makeup later in their evolution. That's significant. How so? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Daniel line. Yeah. It's like, it's significant. Like, like with the ZPM, it's like, uh, uh, it's important. I just have no idea what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because they go, there's a reason why Carter's not allowed to be able to sense the Gawold because they don't have Nakoda. Mm. And then so they throw, he throws that line in at the start. Mm. It's kind of like, they, it's a natural evolution. And then I'll, I just like it how he goes, it's significant. How so? I don't know. 
I've no idea. No. You'll find out yeah. in a few at minutes. A, you look at <laughs> yeah. a fucking bone turned into rock here, mate. Just yeah. <laughs> like, ease up. You, you're literally the one that just told me to ease up yeah. and not make, you know, assumptions. Yeah. What I didn't get, going back to when um, Tilt double staffed that guy. Yeah. Uh, and then old uh, Bobby Rothman was a was a gold. Yeah. When he looked at his wrist, he had blood on him. That's how Tilk was like, what? No, I think no, it was... He was working on the zip ties. Yeah, so it was, was already the... broken, the zip ties. Right, okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, it is a he bit He broke the zip ties and he was just kind of biding his time just wait. Like, he was free, yeah. but he was just biding his time. So, my question with it is, and they do mention it towards the end of the episode, is when do we think Rothman was actually taken over by Gua Wuld? Was yeah. it Was it off screen, like, during the opening credits and when he came back through the Stargate for help? Was it that much of a long con that it's like he was trying to get more humans to come to the planet so all his family mm. could get hosts? Or was it, like when Tilk suspected, was it when someone was on watch, one of the Gwawul jumped out of the water and, and attacked mm. someone with mm. it? Yeah. I I always thought it was when they're when they on the beach there. But I like the idea that maybe it's been in him for months or however long they've been there, three weeks. Oh, I, I didn't assume uh, months. I just assumed sort of after the attack. Yeah, I just like the idea of um, in in the Sharae one, um, forever in a day. Mm. He was a dream. The next episode, he was real, and then this episode, he was a gould. So he's only real for one episode. I just like <laughs> that concept. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I think if the the gould are that oh, ambitious and arrogant, I guess they wouldn't really wait around for too long mm. to try and take over something. If the if he got back to SG one or the S- or the embarkation room, he'd be like, "All right, let's try and take over this shit." Well, he's not a traditional Goa'uld in that he's like a pre. They're, what they establish is yeah, these are true. a prehistoric Goa'uld with no Nakwita in their in their bloodstream. And they're still evil. Yes, but the Una. So obviously, back however many thousands of years ago, a few Goa'uld took Unas as hosts. And yep. then obviously travelled off world because the Stargate was there, so they've travelled off world. And and then after thousands of years, they got rid of their Unas hosts and got human hosts. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and but that planet was kind of just left there. And as they both evolved, the Unas got smarter, you know, and built themselves those bone necklaces mm. so they couldn't be taken over by. by yeah, the that was cool. Yeah. So the Ghoul didn't evolve, I suppose. On yeah, that planet. so that's basically what they said. The yeah. Ghoul, the Ghoul world on this planet aren't really, or almost like an offshoot in the same way the Toka are an offshoot, mm. in that they're kind of the, they're like the, it's like if, if we ran into, it's like Encino Man, it's like if we ran into a caveman version of ourselves. Yeah, right. Like that's what these Goa'uld are. Like it's like when they find the the SG-11 leader, mm. um, and he's kind of like spaced out, I kind of feel, because it's like, it's the first time this Goa'uld, because these Goa'uld probably wouldn't have the genetic memory of, yeah. you know, the whole Goa'uld technology and race shit, and all yeah. the evil stuff. So he's just kind of like, I got legs. Holy shit, I got legs. Yeah. Like he's just still trying to figure out, you know, what's what's what. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, like, all that stuff is great. And then all the Daniel Shaka stuff is just mm. phenomenal. I mm. love it so much. Like, the sci-fi nerd in me just gets off on it so much. <laughs> yeah. Just, that, um, that Unas that he got kidnapped by. Shaka. Shaka. I... Forgot to check, but is that played by anyone significant? Yeah. Yes, that is. Um, back in well, Stargate uh, significant. <laughs> right. <laughs> back in it's Dion Johnstone. So back in Star in um, Rules of Engagement, uh, yep. with the you know the fake Jafar and SG One teams fighting. Yeah, and then massive Apophis. Yeah. So yep. he wasn't the whingy white guy. He was the the other leader, the black guy that was the Jaffa, uh, Jafar guy. When um, 
Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so that's Dion Johnson. He plays Shaka. And then just to prove it to you, because you did give us some crap um, a few weeks ago, that we didn't make it up. This is where we got it from, because he was also one of the aliens from Foothold. Here we have the introduction of the Chaka character, played by Dion Johnstone, as I mentioned before. Dion, uh, you may recall in episodes uh, Rules of Engagement, he played Novar, in which you got a really good look at his face. And uh, he played one of the vagina face creatures in Foothold that uh, are taking over uh, our, uh, our base. See? See? That's why I thought go. he was getting his... Well, maybe we got our wires crossed because we're considering the vagina face aliens as the one from Spirits. Well, I call them both because neither of them have names, so I just yeah. call both of those species the vagina-faced aliens. Yeah, but see, which we... one was he talking about? He's talking about foothold, foothold, right. the, big, the big crab knob ones heads. with the knobheads. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then obviously the spirit yeah. ones are, are a different kind of vagina-faced yeah. alien. <laughs> but yeah, see, yeah. so that's where flappy, we got it from. Flappy, we got flap. it from. We got it from. <laughs> <laughs> flap, flap. <laughs> Um, so this is, that's where we got it from. We got it from Peter Deloise. Okay. Which so, makes it totally okay. Right? I Absolutely. feel like if you listen back to that, there's like a pause after he says it. And I feel like there's, because obviously he's in a recording booth. I feel like like the producer, whoever's just gone, oh no, you can't say that. He's no, going to just pause. He's like, well, I just did, motherfucker. So deal with it. My favourite part of that director's commentary was when he pulls the bullet out of Chucker's hand, Daniel yeah. pulls the bullet out. And he goes, yeah. That's actually the bullet from the Kennedy assassination, the last bullet. And then he's like, I'm sorry if that seems discolored. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's I'm an off color joke. lost my shit. shit. Yeah. If, if so was, funny. Now, Reese, now that you do have the DVDs and you can listen to, listen to the audio commentaries, yeah. I cannot recommend this one enough. Peter Deloitte, now he's alone in this one. He basically yeah. does the entire audio commentary for this episode by himself. Excellent. Jeez, a really one-man show this whole episode. Audio yeah, commentary right? writing, directing. No one to, no one to interrupt him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and imagine, imagine if like one of us, like imagine if three of us didn't show up for a podcast, and one of us just had to do like a forty-minute podcast about like one of the next yeah. episodes. We would struggle like a mofo. Mm-hmm. But no, he's got so much. It's so entertaining and so interesting. Well, you say that, but I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. So. <laughs> I'd probably um, do a five-minute rant and fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess if we made it, if we made the episode, yeah. it might be different. The best part yeah. is, it's like because when you watch the episode, you're kind of making up a bit of your own story about what Shaka is saying and, yeah. and and whether Daniel, what he's assuming is correct or not. Behind the scenes shit. Yeah. So um, what Petey can tell you about it is kind of the intention that he had as, as the director and the writer mm. of what each of these things mean. So it's like you can listen to what the intentions were and then you can go back and watch the episode for a third time. Right. <laughs> like knowing all, all that stuff yeah, and right. it really opens up the performance I even think, more. I think mm. the thing that annoyed me the most before listening to the audio commentary was the whole radio thing. This is my radio. Yeah. And then he knocks the... Ra- Chucker knocks the radio out of Daniel's hand. I'm like, you idiot. That's the one way they can find you. Yeah. And then next scene, he has the, the dictator, the voice recorder. Mm. And Shaka has no problem with that. But going back and listening to the audio commentary, Peter DeLuise says the reason that Shaka had an issue with the radio is because Daniel stood up all the way up, like yeah, imposing. Yeah, it, no- it had nothing to do like with the radio. Threat. It was the fact that he was like standing language. up and trying to be taller than Shaka mm. and trying to assert dominance. Yeah. yeah. And that's why Shaka knocked him down. Right. It had nothing yeah. to do with the radio. Yeah, that's cool. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Because sort of whilst watching that, I'm like, why are you making it so obvious that you're getting your radio out? Yeah. Mm. Like, you're an idiot. For a smart guy, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, I think he kind of covered all his bases in this, Pete. But I think the one thing that annoyed me was 
Rothman running back to the SGC, unless he already had the gold in his brain, mm. he's sucking on a Ventolin puffer yeah. for asthma, and he's out of breath for the entire scene. But I'm like, wasn't this guy meant to be a de- decathlon runner? Wasn't yeah, that established? Well, <laughs> yeah. wasn't that in the in the dream episode though, or the whatever it was, like Forever the Charade day, dream? Yeah. Because then when we do meet him in Crystal Skull, he's got the sinusy voice and he's injecting things up his nose and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that, all those sprays and stuff. So yeah, I don't know where to sit with with Rothman, like on whether yeah. he is. Uh, I actually don't hate him. I don't. I don't mind him. I think if he was in in more hate episodes, him. I'd hate him. <laughs> Um, yeah, but maybe. it does open the um, open the the way for characters like um, Doctor Lee yeah. and oh, and yeah. all those other like recurring scientist guys that I yeah. think are probably more interesting and more fun than, um, yeah. than Rothman. With this episode sort of delving so deep into the mythology of everything and sort of giving you new information and all that, and the fact that it is written and directed by Peter Deloise, I, only because I haven't listened to the audio commentary or you know whether it's in in your book is do we know, is this something that Peter thought of him himself or is it like the creative team and they've just went okay well Peter you're writing this or he's put his hand up it's funny you say that he mentioned it in the audio commentary <laughs> get out um, he actually you got want to save yourself a minute like, it's like I'll this, tell you straight up it's like this was it's like this was scripted <laughs> and believe me it wasn't because I was just talking and everyone's like where the fuck is this guy going with yeah. this Mitch, Mitch shut uh, Mitch, up Mitch barely has time to watch the episode as a whole let alone go back and listen to the audio commentary <laughs> um, Peter but Peter mind you is... I, when I buy my DVDs and Blu-rays, I will buy the ones with the most special features yeah. because I love that shit. So you've got them on the shelf. I've got them. They're ready to go when I'm going to sit down and watch <laughs> ready them. Ready to go. Yeah. When I'm retired, ready I'm going to say. They're in the original package. Yeah. Ready to go. I've had that movie for 12 years, haven't yeah. watched it yet, and then I'll wait another 27 like before got, I watch the special features. you got three kids under five. It's like once they're all off in, uh, like left, left home, then you can yeah. watch them. I need to start like just introducing my kids to movies I want to watch really early. Like it, it, Rather than yeah. like do it up in Judgment levels. Day. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, um, I, follow, I follow Scott <laughs> Derrickson, who's the um, director of Doctor Strange, probably the most, the, the biggest movie that anyone would know him from. And he con- continually refers to himself as the greatest father that ever lived because he's got these younger kids. They might be between like seven and 12. He's like, I just, my seven year old just watched Alien and Blade Runner back to back. I am the greatest father ever. <laughs> you know? And oh, my 11 year old just told me that his favorite three films of all time are this, this, and this. I am the greatest father ever. And I'm like, I need to do that. Because my that. kid's still watching, yeah. fucking, you know, uh, uh, PJ Masks yeah. and shit. Sea Patrol. <laughs> I did that. I did that with my niece. Uh, my niece. Uh, well, her her dad actually was the one who uh, uh, played Star Wars for me for the first time. Ah, uh, cool. A niece. Um, no, no, my my niece, my niece's father. <laughs> uh, and then you know, Good family year. drama. He yeah. was out of the story. Um, but then I actually then sort of took the reins with her. And when she was about five or six, I sat her down and started watching like Star Wars and Star Trek and all these other like sci-fi shows. Now to the point, she's I think twenty now. Her boyfriend had never seen Star Wars. She was the one that sat him down and nice, made him nice, watch Star Wars yeah. and, and all these sort of movies. So This will blow your mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly my biggest debate with myself about being a father is how old does he need to be before I show him Star Wars? Like A New Hope yeah. to yeah. go, wow, this is Star Wars, and then an and Empire to blow his mind with yeah. the twist. Like yeah. Eight or like, ten. He's, eight a, ten, he's a smart five-year-old, though. I think like he knows enough about Star Wars that we play in the backyard with lightsabers, and I'm always yeah, the bad guy, true. obviously. Now, my second son, hardly enough, is named Luke, um, and he is Anakin Skywalker because he has a blue lightsaber, whereas James has a green, so he's Luke. It's confusing, but he runs around. If I'm fighting, <laughs> If I'm fighting my son, Luke, 
James, as Luke Skywalker, comes up and goes, don't fight my father, knowing that his father is oh, Anakin wow. Skywalker. But uh. then he'll talk about Darth Vader, and I'll be like, I'll be Obi-Wan. I'll say, yeah, Obi, do you know that Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker? He's like, oh, he's so bad, he's so evil. And I'm like, I just oh, got goosebumps. man, I'm going to blow your <laughs> Yeah. I'm lying to you, but it is going to be so you worth are five. it. Why can't you be eight already so I can do it? And I'm going to film it. Oh, yeah, so well, uh, yeah, so just what you're saying on uh, Peter DeLuise is he actually, he d- he directed uh, Demons the last time we saw an Unas character. And he actually had the... One op- of the great chats we've had. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And was he good. got so infatuated with the idea of the Unas, he actually said to Brad Wright, he said, oh, look, I don't want anything to do with it. I just, because I'm a fan of this show... What if you guys did it, like go and do an episode about unblended Unas and what that would be about? And Brad Wright was like, "Fucking go write it. That sounds awesome." And and mm. Peter DeLuise is like, "I'm not a writer because literally this is the first thing Peter DeLuise has ever written." He's oh never written right, really? Wow. Brad Wright did do a lot of polishes on it and and fixed up a few bits and pieces, but this is pretty much all Peter DeLuise. So yeah, he just talks about um, and he probably had a little bit more time as well to write it, obviously because he was not on the writing staff, even yeah. though he he direct kind of. Every two or three episodes mm. or yeah. whatnot. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this episode is what got him. He now gets the credit as a creative consultant oh, cool. on the show. I just so like the idea of the two versions of that conversation. Like you said he went up there and go, hey, you guys can do this. I've just got a, an idea. Maybe it could be good. And everyone mm. went, that is a great idea. Why don't you roll with your idea? Or it's like he goes up to Brad Wright and he's like, oh, it sounds like a lot of f***ing work. Um, <laughs> you want to yeah, hey, just Pete, go ahead and do that? You want to do that? <laughs> do you want to become a writer? Working yeah. with James L. Jones was a nightmare. I don't want to do any more f***ing Unus episodes. <laughs> and of course, the uh, the lovely uh, opening title sequence, which is has baffled me. I don't. Is the episode, this is, show is called Stargate, and yet we are perusing the face of a giant cross-eyed pharaoh, as you, you will soon see. <laughs> I just put that in there for color. Part of the uh, fun of uh, this episode was this uh, was while I was uh, shooting demons. I uh, had this great idea for a show uh, where we investigated the Unas even closer. And Asgard and Unas. I thought, Unas. wouldn't it be fun if we acknowledged that the Unas, an aboriginal Unas or a raw Unas that didn't have a ghoul in it, what their culture would be like and, and, and uh, the dealings that would uh, go on uh, with them. And uh, I was highly influenced by a movie entitled Enemy Mine with Louis Gossett Jr. and, uh, and <laughs> Dennis Quaid. So this has a lot of elements from that in there. Which is ironic, isn't it? Because the next Unas episode is Enemy Mine, or is it? Yeah, yeah. and then Lewis Gossett Jr. is in the series in like season nine as a as a, like a Jafar leader. So it's yeah, cool, quite interesting. Oh yeah, it's it's. I think one of the reasons why I respond so much to Peter Deloise is is he's so sort of pop culturey. Like I almost did a supercut of every pop culture reference he made in his audio commentary, but it was like six minutes long and I'm just like, I can't, I can't justify it. But basically just as he's doing the episode, he goes, oh yeah, so uh, that person's name, that's my girlfriend. Oh, that person's name, that's the boss's nephew. Oh, that person's name, that's Jonathan Glassner's lawyer. Like all the names that he made up for the episode, he's just pulled from real life. And it's like, oh, that shot there is an homage to Piranha. That one there is inspired by Jaws. That one there I stole from Predator. Like he just goes through the entire thing and just openly says, look, He's just one of those guys. He's like Mitch. He's just one of those guys that just loves movies. Yeah. Like, just doesn't care whether the movie's good or bad. He just loves watching movies and experiencing mm. movies. Mamma Mia. 
<laughs> so Here we go again, coming out in cinemas in July. <laughs> Here we go again. Better believe getting I can't believe they named it that. that yeah. Like, of all really? things. Yeah. Here we oh, go again. Here we go again. He's yeah. asking for the jokes. Oh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's just fun that he's just like, he's quite happy to, <laughs> as Brennan says, I think so, says a lot, hang a lantern on it and, mm. um, and just own the fact that he's just a massive fan and everything he does is just an homage and a, and a credit to, to the stuff that's come before him. That's pretty cool. One thing that um, I wanted to ask about was those paintings in the cave. Yeah. Was that like um, just basically their history? Yeah. Peter gets into it in the commentary. Basically, it's, it just kind of just shows the evolution. It's like you see Gould hatching from eggs and taking over Unas and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's really just the, the Unas' history. Yeah, okay. And, you know, for a, for a very primitive species, they're still very aware. And they're what he tried to get across is what a like a, a noble... Um, species they are like he based um, uh, and I think even Daniel he even wrote it in the episode Daniel says it like he, he based this whole ritual that Shark is going through of capturing Daniel and bringing him back to he based it off uh, the Maasai warriors when they would go out and kill a lion and also uh, the Australian Aboriginals and their walkabout and like when the, it's the coming of age right so that's basically what, and he, even then in the commentary he says which I only learned from the movie Walkabout or something like he watched a movie. He's like, so I'm assuming it's true, but it's from a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what he based it on. He's just like this coming of age of this. And, you know, Daniel does say early on when he's, when he's analyzing Shaka that he's obviously an adolescent. He's got the, doesn't have the pronounced horns and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So yeah, it's basically was just, Shaka was just, you know, about to become a boy, like a man. A man yeah. So he was sent out to try and find, you know, find a, a creature and bring it back and kill it just to prove that he's, you know. He's made it. He's made it. Um, and he ends up coming back and killing his own alpha. Yeah. With the help of a thousand P90s. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because when in in the cave, when he he scratched Daniel's face, turned him around and scratched his face, and like, oh, this Ooh. is going to be a prison scene for Bit sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny you say that. <laughs> now we have the, uh, this is a, if you look between the lines, you'll see that uh, Chaka and Daniel have slept together, and this is the morning after. That's I'm just kidding. That's uh, when they wake up in the cave. It is. It's kind of funny because um, obviously I watched the episode, then rewatched with the audio commentary. But this is my note when on the original rewatch, and I couldn't help but think that Chucker uh, bringing Daniel home was like Chucker bringing Daniel home to meet his dad and coming out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and if you rewatch that whole scene with that kind of subtext. That's- it's That's really quite amazing because it's <laughs> so like you know true. you bring a you bring a friend home oh yeah it's just a mate yeah whereas for them it was like he was supposed to bring a mate home that was they were gonna kill like yeah. it just, it's like oh, yeah. oh no I don't want to kill him yeah I love him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just like that's not so bad good. actually and the father's just like I'm not having a bar of it yeah, yeah. this and then, bullshit not a mop Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then the my fucking son. And then the, supposed to be the future alpha, mate. And then the boyfriend's family show up and shoot him with P90. Vote yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bitch. Boom, boom, boom. I did. Um, I did find it interesting that Daniel kind of took the long way when he's sort of being dragged through the cave, and he writes his little sign like on the like this way and the mm. arrow on the yeah, wall. Yeah, you think you just do the arrow. <laughs> Well, the arrow, and maybe even just well, arrow like might be hard to see, but even just do like the point of origin symbol, like it's like it's like a triangle with a circle yeah, yeah. would be quicker than writing in full block caps this way. Yeah, yeah. When he could be getting like sliced to ribbons at any given moment. I still don't think he wrote this way, with with that many strokes. Of <laughs> <this> <laughs> yeah. And then as he's being dragged across, he just 
does a perfect arrow as he's <laughs> yeah, yeah perfect yeah, arrow as he's as he's walking walking past. Well, yeah. there um again not to harp on it too much, but in the commentary, um Peter Deloise kind of the the look that the intention that he gave Shaka when Shaka looks at it is that's Shaka going, that's not art, like yeah. because he's done yeah. it on their big art yeah. wall of their entire <laughs> history. He's like, that's not what art. Is this? He just keeps dragging him. That is not a person. I guess from what I just said about maybe if he had done the. Tried like the the point of origin symbol. I guess that might freak someone out if that's on the Stargate. Yeah, and they had a Negative connotation towards the Stargate, I guess. But would have saved a hell of a lot of time. Just as a pain. <laughs> I love Dion Johnstone the way he used the prosthetics. Yes, and just the way his performance, especially in the prayer, he's like shock, shock. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, oh, lo- and that the way cool. he kind of blows his nose to. F- to flare out the flare prosthetics. Yeah, and to actually like, play around with it. So I it was, cool. It was really good. Mm. Um, he didn't did... have much to work with. Like, he didn't have any lines. He's just mm. kind of like, there is a... And he, he barely had his eyes to communicate with, of actually, like, his actual skin that you saw. Mm. Like, he had his eyes, but then he had in the Unas contacts. So it's like, yeah. you really didn't see any of him. He was completely Those covered. mad teeth. Yeah, yeah, but still managed to communicate everything so well. Um, and yeah, it's like every time I go back and watch it, I just spot another little nuance bit here or there. And I just yeah. go, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I assume he doesn't come back for the next Unas one. Uh, he does. He comes back for Beast of Burden. Right. But, but yeah, unfortunately yeah, no. for Shaka's last episode, which is Enemy Mine, which is again, another one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. Uh, he was unavailable. So they get a different actor to play Shaka and it doesn't have yeah, quite it's not as, as good. much. Because mm. I'm not a huge fan of Beast of Burden. And plus they didn't get the makeup. The same either. Yeah, they tried to make him a bit. Like, well, they made him look a bit too human. He stands yeah. up, sort of. But yeah, because it's it's annoying because Beast of Burden isn't one of my favourite episodes. Like it's not it's not a great one, and and Dion Johnstone is in that as Shaka, and I yeah. almost kind of wish it happened the other way around. It's like yeah. Dion wasn't available for Beast of Burden, but he was available for Enemy Mine. Yeah, that would have been good. But um, I think that's why First Ones is kind of just holds that special place in my heart because it was just it's all Peter Deloise. It's all this. It's all Daniel. And it's um, so much of this just cool um, Unas character. That's I think that's why too with um, Thor's hammer. Yeah, the first Thor's hammer. Like I'm not even though it's James Earl Jones. Mm. Like I'm not a fan of that Unas episode. For me, when I think about Unas, this is the episode I think of. Yeah. Mm. First and foremost, and anything else, I just I love it. My first note is love it, love everything about it, and that was before I even pressed play. Like I knew it. Like I knew it. Going <laughs> to pre-write this note. Yeah, I think the only. The only nitpick I had is the fight at the end between the Unas, like between Shaka and the Alpha, was a bit wimpy. Like it wasn't as feral as I'd like. Yeah. And then obviously the the big. I like the water, the touch that was in the water. I think that that made it for me. I was like, that Whoa, helps. This is yeah, he's drowning him. Brutal, yeah. Yeah, I just felt they were a little bit kind of. Obviously, because it's all fake, like they couldn't really use their claws. They were kind of just yeah. like open hand slapping and, and mm. grabbing each other's forearms and stuff like that, where it's like, no, they would really get in there with their claws, yeah. but yeah. they couldn't, they couldn't Can't do it. Can't ruin the makeup um, for the second take. And then I, I don't know whether you spotted it, Reese, but all the um, like all the other Unas in the cave, that's just those two actors duplicated. So that's just Shaka. Shaka really? And the, Shaka and the Alpha are the only two people in wow. Unas makeup in the entire episode. CGI. They just changed their outfits and then um, doubled them all through there. So wow. to me, that CGI shot, is you can now, like when you know that bit of information, you go back, it kind of does spoil it a little bit mm. for you. Um, so thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then what he did say is, is the funniest part is there is a shot where you can see, like during the fight, you can, s- oh no, when he's about to kill Daniel and Shaka's got his hands up, it cuts to a shot where you can see the alpha and another one of the betas behind him. 
So you're like, well, how how does that work? They've got like an Unas arm. It's just like, you know, like when you see oh, those okay. bad comedies and it's like, just like a bad cat arm prosthetics and something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just had an Unas arm. So right. they held that up in the foreground as as Shaka and then they were able to have sort of the, the two in the back there. So I'm like, wow. that'd be a cool prop to have. Just that one Shaka arm. Mm. Just that'd yeah. be, you'd have all sorts of fun with that. Uh, so we mentioned it last week. Um, SG-11. They're back. And they get, this this team is the new SG-11. So SG-11, right. when we first met them in Spirits, they got captured. Then in Rules of Engagement, we find out they were captured weeks ago by Apophis and he had them executed. Mm. So this is the fresh lineup of uh, SG-11. <laughs> and half of them get killed by the frigate Unas and the Gould. Classic. It's like it's they are the like tainted team. It's like if you get put on SG-11, you know you're going to die. Yeah. It'd yeah. be hard to recruit for, hey? Yeah. yeah. They obviously wouldn't tell them. They'd get in an SG-10 and be like, oi, oh no, SG-10 was is dead now because of the black hole. <laughs> Uh, SG, <laughs> SG you got good memory. I couldn't have told you what team that SG, was. SG twelve were like, oh, you you got recruited to SG eleven. You're probably gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> bang. I'm just thinking like, if, only if you're an SG ten or above, do you even get fresh uniforms? So like, SG eleven shop, <laughs> and they've got like scorched you know, covered <laughs> in blood. It's like, what's this? Like, no, nah, you're right. Just yeah. go out there. But well, you couldn't clean them first. <laughs> uh... You're SG eleven. You clean them yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Where's our? Uh... You haven't even hit single digits where's our where's our washing machine room no you're going into the city there's a laundromat here's a couple of quarters if if they retire sg11 like all right let's not do that again kind of like level 13 of a building they remove they uh they get the sg13 patch and frame it behind glass and put it up and just retire the number like it's a basketball player my old friend (laughs) so you got any um star trek references that you want to mention I don't actually. Not for this one. There's there wasn't really. Um, Peter DeLuise mentions every every sci-fi franchise but that. Oh. Um, the guy that played Sequest the, um, DSV. Sequest DSV, which he was in. Um, he <laughs> was in the show. original um, Twenty One Jump Street as well. He played opposite um, Johnny Depp in the original right. Twenty One Jump Street. He used to be an actor. Well, he, I think he still does a little bit of stuff. Um, yeah, he's in Stargate all the, the time. Demon comes. <laughs> the um, the guy that played the um, the Alpha Unas. Hmm. Actually played one of the predators in Predator Two. Yeah, he's because he's like seven feet tall. Yeah, right. <laughs> he doesn't. He didn't like. He looked tall, but he didn't look huge alpha like no. James Earl Jones. No, I think Unas. that one was definitely more um, intimidating. Maybe because yeah. he was like hunching and trying to look feral like Shaka. Yeah, yeah. he probably should have probably stood up a bit more. Yeah, that true. So what I was getting at was no box of shame. Nah, sorry, mate. All right, we'll have to wait for another week. <laughs> Who thought you guys would be asking for Star Trek references? That's what about um, audio books with Maddie? I, I noticed the, pi- <laughs> the piano wasn't in the hallway. It almost feels like I'm the one just bringing all the content here, guys. Come Absolutely. on, almost the entertainment. <laughs> you just like to watch the monkey dance. I want no, to hear I, there was ne- not, nothing really just, interesting in the. Um... It's it's coming into winter. I just want that fireplace fired up again. <laughs> I was watching it with the kids and I had to rewind. Yeah, but he's a big stinking monster like three times because they just thought that was funny. <laughs> Classic. See, you're the coolest dad uh, in the show. Yeah. Yeah. You were the first time, right? <laughs> you were the first time. Yeah. I also had to rewind that three times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's episode 74 of Get Into Gate. The first ones, we will be back next week to talk Scorched Earth, but to get a bit of a preview about what's coming up in the next Stargate SG-1, let's find out what's happening on the next Stargate SG-1. On the next Stargate SG-1. You are all 
heroes to my people. He's giving a doomed race a new Karen. home. You must all flee. It comes this way. The demon. What does? <laughs> Until a threat of unknown origin invades their world. It's changing the environment to support an entirely different kind of life. Now, two civilizations stake a claim. The Incarens must leave or they will die. Only one can survive. We're not going to sit around and watch these people get slaughtered. And you're willing to blow up that ship to do Give that? me another choice. And O'Neill must make the toughest decision of his career. Once you detonate the reactor, there's no turning back. But whose blood will be on his hands? Tell me you're not on that ship! Richard Dean Anderson stars on the next Stargate SG-1. Jeez, it sounds like Daniel and Jack have a difference of opinion on philosophy. What? Oh, I don't know if the show oh, can survive it. Spoilers. I can't wait to see what happens there. <laughs> So fresh and exciting. See, now I remember this episode. I, th- I think this is one I thought came up like almost a season ago. I can't even remember which one I'd confused it with. Mm. But this one, yeah, I've got a distinct well, memory of. Well, so. I always confuse when I'm thinking about episode titles. I think when someone says Between Two Fires, yeah. I think of Scorched Earth. So maybe yeah, right. you think of In uh, I in, think of Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Between Two Ferns. That'd be an interesting oh, yeah, show. Yeah, we got it. That's why we laughed. Yeah. What, what was the show? can't remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Between two ferns. Oh, uh, who's in that? Uh-huh. Uh, like the, there's a show where Zach Galifianakis. Oh, now people. I get my own joke. Yeah. And then, um, like he gets guest celebrities, Classic. but he's he's not a good interviewer. Right, right. And and why is it called Between Two Ferns? Yeah, with Zach Galifianakis. because uh, it's kind of like a play on Between Two Fires. Right, right. It's from Stargate. But then, yeah. is, is there is there fires or? Uh, oh no, he's he's between two ferns, is it? Oh, the actual. Oh, right. What's a fern? <laughs> <laughs> like us, the gully. Get us out of here, Mitchell. Get yeah. us out of here. All right, that's Jack Jacks. <laughs> well, that'll be next week on episode seventy-five. This was seventy-four. If you'd like to check out the other seventy-three episodes of Get Into Gay, check out our podcast. If you are the first time, I referred to at the start of the episode. Get Into Gay, the Stargate podcast, available on all your favorite podcasting outlets. Just search for it. You can also search for us on the social media apps: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Slide into our DMs or send us a, a bit of a longer sort of rant. Get Into Gate at Gmail Myself personally, if you want. To come and chat some gate, Mitch underscore Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. Matty, where are uh, you? At High Pitch Matty on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, don't you? You were loving Twitter last week. Don't yeah. do that. Brendan, where are you at? I'm at the Brendan Gibson on Twitter and Instagram. And Reese. And I am at the Flying Gibson. You can also uh, support the show, join the show, patreon.com forward slash get into gate. And our uh, other separate, somewhat podcast, Get Into Geek, a uh, well, couple of big movie reviews the last couple of weeks. Go back about three or four Avengers Infinity War. Last week we had Deadpool 2. It feels bigger. And this week, Solo, a Star Wars story. All that you can check out on our other podcasting channel, Get Into Geek. And a big uh, thanks to all of our uh, Get Into Gate family for. Uh, uh, moving over there and checking out what we got going on in that channel. But uh, we will be back next week. Episode 75, get of the 8, talking Scorched Earth, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who gets that reference? No? No? <laughs> Tropic Thunder? No? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a really dour to end the show. I'm so sorry. Bye. I'll see you next week. Get into geek.com.